0: What's going on, family? Good day, and welcome to The Faction. I'm your man, GB, Gerard Bonner, and I hope you guys are well. I'm super excited to be able to chat with you today, of course, about all things WrestleMania weekend. What an insane weekend it is. So, again, firstly, a big thank you to everybody who's joined us all over the socials at The Faction Show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Shout out to you, you, and you who are subscribed to this podcast. Thank you so very much. If you are not subscribed and it's your first time, you heard about us through the socials or one of your great wrestling friends, welcome to The Faction We have some pretty intelligent and fun wrestling conversation here, and so I hope you'll sit back, buckle up, and enjoy the show. You can always reach out to us again on the socials at The Faction Show. We definitely want to hear from you. So our WrestleMania recap is broken up into three parts. So part one was all about WrestleMania Friday, which talked a bit about SmackDown, talked about the Hall of Fame, and also talked about the return of Ring of Honor in their Super Card of Honor. If you missed that, go ahead and check that out. You'll definitely want to hear that. Today, on this episode, we'll be talking about WrestleMania Saturday. Now, there was so much that happened on WrestleMania Saturday, and I failed to mention that we also dug into NXT Stand and Deliver. On Part one of this so that we could dedicate part two to all things WrestleMania Saturday now I will say this there were a ton of additional independent shows that happened not going to be able to cover all of those but With that said, if you checked out some of those, and I know that some of you guys went to Mania weekend, hit us up and let us know if there are any particular ones you want to cover. Or if there were some happenings that really made you turn, that made you excited, let me know. Again, a ton of things went on. But right now, we're going to talk about WrestleMania Saturday. Of course, WrestleMania went down at AT AT&T Stadium in Dallas, Texas. Night one had roughly 77,000 people there, which is exciting to see. I'll get to that in a little bit, but let's go through the results, and then we'll kind of dig into some major moments. First off, the night kicked off with the SmackDown Tag Team Championships as the Usos retained their title, defeating Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. And speaking of Boogs, there was a bit of an injury. We'll talk about that at some point. Drew McIntyre defeats Happy Corbin. The Miz and Logan Paul defeat Ray and Dominic Mysterio. Bianca Belair defeats Becky Lynch to become the new Raw Women's Champion. We find out who Seth Rollins' opponent is, and it is the American Nightmare Cody Rhodes who returns triumphantly to WWE and defeats Seth Rollins. Then, of course, the Hall of Fame inductees were honored what an honor for all of those amazing folks charlotte flair defeats ronda rousey to retain the smackdown women's championship and then stone cold steve austin is on the ko show and it turns into a no holds barred match where stone cold steve austin defeats kevin owens now then let's begin analyzing wrestlemania saturday Let's start with this. I think this is a pretty intriguing note to talk about the fact that this year and I believe it's the first time if it's not the first time then last year was the first time that in recent memory there were no matches on the WrestleMania pre show. That's interesting in and of itself. As I mentioned on part one of this recap, I thought it was intriguing that the Intercontinental Championship and the United States Championship were not present on WrestleMania Saturday or Sunday. So if there are no matches in the WrestleMania pre-show, which was two hours, by the way, on both Saturday and Sunday, that now means that basically WrestleMania SmackDown is the WrestleMania pre-show. And it makes sense because in years past, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal was just called a regular Battle Royal. And that would happen during the pre-show or the kickoff show for WrestleMania. And so that now means, if we interpret it that way, that the Intercontinental Champion and the United States Champion were all a part of the pre-show. And the U.S. Champion, dare I say, was in the WrestleMania Battle Royal. Now, yes, it came down to the U.S. champion Finn Balor and Madcap Moss, with Madcap Moss getting the win. But what does that mean in terms of how WWE views both the U.S. title and the Intercontinental Championship? Is this a reflection of how they view those titles or of how they view the men holding them, that being Finn Balor and Ricochet? I think we need to dig into that to be able to find out the answer and I'm not fully sure though part of me feels like they really don't believe right now in both Finn Balor and Ricochet. I also thought it was initially interesting that Damian Priest who was such a big part of last year's WrestleMania did not have a scheduled match. However, we have to go to WrestleMania Sunday to understand why. So again, I say I don't know that I like the idea that the Intercontinental Championship and the United States Championship are not represented on WrestleMania Saturday and Sunday. I think something needs to be done about that because those two championships have great lineages in the world of pro wrestling, the Intercontinental Championship Uh, held by, as they often say, over a dozen Hall of Famers, the US Championship held by even more. So yeah, I think we need to give some thought and some pause to that. Let me also mention Brantley Gilbert, who opened up WrestleMania Saturday with his rendition of America the Beautiful. I once heard someone say, this is related, but not related. I once heard someone say that if you have a food critique YouTube page and all of your reviews or critiques are good, I don't trust you, okay? So where does that come into play? Because it is my job to tell you what's good, what's not good, and what I liked and didn't like. And this was a horrible start to WrestleMania Saturday. Absolutely horrible. I mean, let's think about... The artists who have previously sung America the Beautiful, which, by the way, someone had asked me, is the national anthem being snubbed given all of the times that we live in? And it's not. Vince McMahon has gone on record saying he just likes America the Beautiful more. And so that has been the song that has been sung at WrestleMania since day one. With that said, if you think about the pantheon of artists who have sung America the Beautiful from Aretha Franklin to Michelle Williams to Yolanda Adams just a couple of years ago, Brantley Gilbert did not come in and understand the assignment. Sir, you're in front of 77,000 people, probably the largest audience you've been in front of in the last two years, given all that's happened with COVID and the pandemic. And that's what you choose to do. Put us to sleep with America, the beautiful America didn't feel beautiful after listening to that. So, yeah, they could have done a much better job with that I will go on record and say I think they chose country artists because, for whatever reason, it felt safer than some of the artists. They've even had Chloe and Halle before. Like, there have been a number of incredible singers that they've had. I don't think they chose well on this one, so... There's that. This is also One of the first WrestleManias in Recent memory that did not Have a Wrestlemania host You know last year there was so much Controversy about the hosts Being Hulk Hogan and Titus O'Neil Given all of the controversy Surrounding Hulk Hogan but think About even previous years the year before That you had Super Bowl champion Rob Gronkowski who was the host of Wrestlemania the infamous Wrestlemania 36 which I think deserves its Own podcast we'll probably talk about that and how history has treated that particular WrestleMania but you go back to WrestleMania 35 and you had Alexa Bliss and uh, WrestleMania 33 you had the New Day so like you can go back and, and of course WrestleMania 30 which was one of my favorites that had Hulk Hogan as the host and that opening you had The Rock Stone Cold they were all together It was epic. So, I think it is interesting that there was no host for WrestleMania this year. Now, I don't know that we missed it. I think there was enough action and there were enough matches, but it is just one of those things that I noticed. Since we're hearing things that we're noticing, let's talk about the crowd number. 77,000 plus for WrestleMania Saturday. Now, I wanna commend WWE and here's why because they knew they had a tough task ahead of them in filling up that stadium. At one point, there were tickets on sale two for one. You know, there were all kinds of deals that they were doing to get people in that stadium. I don't know that that's necessarily a reflection of a poor card for WWE or if it's a reflection of other choices that have been made. I'm gonna go so far and say it's a few things. One, I don't think everybody is fully ready to be in a stadium that large, but WWE has been pushing that envelope ever since people were able to come back to the arenas back in July. Remember, their first major pay-per-view being SummerSlam was held in Las Vegas with like 50,000 people. So they weren't exactly worried about COVID And those types of things So there's that I think people are concerned I also think that WWE is still working Or having to work on having goodwill with the fans And I say that because think about this In the last two years There was the controversy around even hosting Wrestlemania In the first year of the pandemic Which was literally two weeks after the world shut down They went on and pushed for Wrestlemania Then you have the insane amount of firings that have happened over the last two years, which has put kind of a a sour taste in the mouth of some folks. This could be why we did not have 101,000 people in as they did at WrestleMania 32. So there's that. Part of me thought they were going to hit the 100,000 mark. I guess that's just the fan and me wishfully thinking. With all of that said, it looked amazing. It felt amazing. The fans were vocal. They were loud. It was great. So shout out to them for even acknowledging the 77,000 and not shying away from that number, but building that number. Well, number junkies like me, remember WrestleMania 32. We absolutely do. I also think it's important to mention, because I know Brandon Clack is going to try to come for me. He does this in our texts all the time. So let's just make this public, right? Brandon Clack is quick to say how the Attitude Era was so much greater and blah, blah, blah. But... Again I say Vince did not try Super Stadium shows during the Attitude Era. There was only one that happened and that was Wrestle I take that back. There were two. It was WrestleMania 17 which happened at the Astrodome in Houston drew 65,000 and then WrestleMania 18, which at that point was on the tail end. In fact, WrestleMania 17 was literally one week after Vince McMahon bought WCW. So the war was over at that point. WrestleMania 18, we were getting some of the spoils, the last vestiges of what you can call the Attitude Era. So you could make the argument that Vince's confidence in the Attitude Era wasn't strong enough to be able to fill a large stadium. But that's another podcast for another day, right? So with all that said, great crowd, large amounts that we talked about there for WrestleMania Saturday. We'll talk about WrestleMania Sunday's crowd in a little bit. And when we come back, we'll begin to the action from WrestleMania Saturday.
1: I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been.
0: He never just went and played. What are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here.
1: I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90
0: days later.
1: And I knew that I had no content. But that I started to see and there is a U that will always be the S-H-W. Attention wrestling fans, join us Friday, April 8th for SHW 38, live at the Action Building in Canton, Georgia. Oh, and did we mention, this is a free show. That's right, it's our way of thanking you, the fans, for your support over the past three and a half years. Don't miss Owen Knight as he defends his Southern Honor Championship against number one contender, Cyrus the Destroyer. Plus, after months of mind games from Tank and the Reverend, Gunnar Miller will finally get his hands on the bloodbath behemoth. And for the first First time ever. All-Star Special will do battle with Matt and Joey Lynch. Also in action, Joe Black, Jordan Kingsley, Carly Bravo, and more. Free tickets will be available at the door the night of the show starting at 5:30. First two rows available on a first-come, first-served basis. Remaining tickets will be general admission. Doors open at 7. Bell time at 8. Let's pack the action building for another great night of professional wrestling. Trust us, you don't want to miss this show. SHW, this is our wrestling.
0: Okay, WrestleMania Saturday kicked off with the SmackDown Tag Team title match as the Usos successfully defended against Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs. I will say that I had initially picked Boogs and Nakamura to win this match, and part of me wonders if... The idea was for them to win the match, and it got altered by the injury that happened to Rick Boogs. I understand his quad has been torn. It's not a good injury at all. It happened right in the middle of the ring. And uh, yeah, an unfortunate thing to happen for Boogs during his first WrestleMania I felt like Shinsuke and Rick Boogs would win the titles just because they are hot right now and you know random folks being thrown together in a team seems to work these days but the Usos retained and that's going to be super important. now. My pick of Boogs and Nakamura had more to do with just trying to get inside of WWE's mind versus picking who the better team was. Because there's not a team right now better than the Usos in WWE. That's hands down. There is no argument there. And so the Usos definitely had a big match. I thought it was a big win for them. And, you know, we forget for as long as the Usos have been in WWE, they have not had very many matches on the main stage of WrestleMania. So congratulations to them for them kicking off WrestleMania and starting it in such a strong way. We followed that with Drew McIntyre against Happy Corbin. That was one of the matches that I was less interested in, to be perfectly honest with you. And there's a part of me that feels like whoever decided the match order in this got it right. And I say they got it right because they gave us a couple of matches that we probably didn't care about a whole lot. They gave it to us early so that we could enjoy the rest of WrestleMania Saturday. So Drew McIntyre defeats Happy Corbin. I'm hoping that that puts an end to this whole Happy Corbin-Drew McIntyre thing, which has just been going on far too long. Now let's get to The Miz and Logan Paul against the Mysterios. So I have a theory. It's a cheat code. And I'm going to tell you what that theory is now. The theory is this. Celebrities outside of WWE do not come in to lose at WrestleMania. You can go back as far as you want to. It'll be very rare that you see a celebrity lose at WrestleMania. If they lose, it's because there's another celebrity on the opposite side of the ring. And maybe one day we'll talk about celebrity appearances at WrestleMania. But with that said, if ever a celebrity is on the WrestleMania card, you can pretty much guarantee that they are going to win. With that said, Logan Paul did some great, great work. He's not exactly Bad Bunny in terms of his moveset, however, I do think that Logan Paul has a thing that Bad Bunny does not. He has this unusual charisma that would make him a great heel if they decided to keep it that way. But we saw The Miz turn on Logan Paul at the end of the match, which now says there could be a war there, and I think that would make for some great, great in-ring action. With that said, The Miz and Logan Paul get a big win. I did not think Dominic Mysterio would be ready for a WrestleMania win, though he did look good in the match, so shout out to them. And before we break, let's talk about the Raw Women's Championship match. This match, well actually, let's do this. Let's save that for the other side. So when we come back, we'll talk about the second half of WrestleMania Saturday.
1: Southern Honor Wrestling is now on IWTV. Relive the biggest moments and memories from SHW's historic first year. Brandon here at Southern Honor Wrestling. what Jericho is here. And- He put him the windshield. through the windshield. And he's through the windshield. And it's that's over. It. Ring the bell. He put him through the windshield. And hold your forks because we're just getting started. Don't miss another second of SHW, the fastest growing independent promotion in the Southeast. Check out Southern Honor Wrestling now at IndependentWrestling.tv. New subscribers use promo code SHW to get five free days. SHW, this is our wrestling.
0: WrestleMania Saturday continued with the Raw Women's Championship match, Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch. So let me say this, it is an easy point to make that this is one of the most significant matches in all of WrestleMania. History alone says that this match should have probably main evented wrestlemania but i get it stone cold was there the plan was to have him have a match you you know you had that at the end and you had that feel good moment though there was a part of me that felt like the stone cold piece should have worked better in the middle of this and we'll have a discussion about that at some point but bianca versus becky has so much history attached to it that i think wwe did not extract that enough let me explain All right, so when you're looking at Bianca Belair versus Becky Lynch, you're looking at the only two women who have ever main evented WrestleMania and won. Right. So with that said, yes, they glossed over it, but they did not spend the kind of time that could have been spent here. In fact, there's a factoid about Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar that could have been added in there that would have made it even bigger. But with that said, I think this was a significant match. You could also argue the point that Bianca Belair is undefeated at WrestleMania. Granted, it was only one win. So maybe you don't want to start putting The Undertaker's undefeated streak on her yet. But I'm just saying that this match was a massive match, and in my mind, it was bigger than Charlotte Flair and Ronda Rousey, though I understand why people would look at Flair and Rousey as a big, big match, because it is, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Bianca Belair, Becky Lynch, they easily had the best women's match of the night, regardless of what Ric Flair has said. So we are watching the incredible maturation of Bianca Belair, who just continues to do this thing that we've never really seen before. We have never seen this level of ascension for an African-American female wrestler. We've not seen this. And yes, we love what's happening with Jade Cargill right now, but it's still not At the level of Bianca Belair. She is special. And that match that they had was absolutely special and it was one of those matches that really I think turned the corner for the night to kind of signify we're about to get some great wrestling for the rest of the night so shout out to Bianca Belair shout out to Becky Lynch I think we have ourselves a great program and rivalry here that could go for a significant period of time I'm really looking forward to this reign for Bianca Belair Now comes Seth Rollins, who worked his way to get a match at WrestleMania to find out that it's Cody Rhodes. So I want to spend a little bit of time on this, because first of all, obviously all the rumors happened, you know, to make you think that it was Cody Rhodes. But this is one of the things that I love. And I'm going to say this. I think WWE executed this perfectly. And I do mean perfectly. First and foremost, I'm pretty sure that when WrestleMania was in the plans, there were not conversations about bringing Cody Rhodes in. Obviously, that development that happened in February slash March really caught the wrestling world by storm, and it just made sense that he would go to WWE. And this is one of the things that I'm learning. For all of the rumors that are out there, It's not really something that you can say is true until you see it, because all kinds of things happen. And, of course, leading into WrestleMania, the rumors were out that Shane McMahon is coming back. We saw, of course, Wyndham Rotunda, a.k.a. Bray Wyatt, was present. Then The Undertaker kind of trolls us at the end of his Hall of Fame speech saying, never say never. So it wasn't exactly a lock or so it seemed that it was Cody Rhodes. But then the question was, if Cody Rhodes returns, how does he return? Does he return as Stardust? Does he return as Cody? Does he return as some new version that we've not seen over the last six years? Well, let me just say this, and I have to shout WWE out for this because one of the things that has traditionally happened with WWE and with AEW is that if you show up there, there is the strong possibility that they won't be able to use your name as it once was. They won't be able to use your music as it once was. But what they did in this particular case was really, dare I say, a page out of AEW's recent playbook. Just go back a couple of weeks ago to the debut of Jeff Hardy when Jeff Hardy shows up with that familiar Hardy Boys music or even go back to this past summer, the debut of CM Punk. If CM Punk debuts, and we don't think about these nuances, so that's what I want to talk about. If CM Punk debuts to another piece of music besides Cult of Personality, that thing doesn't hit as hard. If CM Punk debuts with another name if he comes out as Phil, Phil Brooks or Mr. Punk or you know CM Jazz or something, I don't know. If he comes out to something other than CM Punk, the moment doesn't work because our cognitive memories aren't going to pick up on that music. It's about knowing those moments in the first two to three seconds. That's what builds intrigue or that at least is what brings about familiarity. So the way they pulled this off with Cody Rhodes making us wait, dropping the light so it might be The Undertaker or it might be Bray Wyatt, you know, the fireworks, and then hitting us with that opening line, wrestling has more than one royal family. People went crazy. And I got to tell you, with all due respect to AEW, there is nothing like seeing that Cody Rhodes entrance with 77,000 people the grandeur of the AT&T Stadium, the pomp and circumstance of WrestleMania, and the way that everybody worked this, the way the commentators let this moment breathe, all of it was just fantastic. It was fantastic. We love moments like this. And I have to tell you, for all of the rumors, it was surreal. The last three years, every time we've seen cody he's been associated with aew the last six years every time we've seen cody it's been with either an indie promotion or something other than wwe so to see him inside of a wwe ring at wrestlemania none of us saw this on our bingo card at january one on day one we didn't see it we didn't imagine it but it's here And I am here for it and what an opening opponent against Seth Rollins what a match they had what a story they told and shout out to Cody Rhodes for getting that big big win and starting what I think is going to be the single most successful run of his career and that's saying a lot given all that he accomplished on the indies and in AEW remember he's a former ring of honor world champion So there's that. He's a former NWA world champion. But the one thing he hasn't done, the one thing that his family has not done, has held the WWE championship. And that is absolutely on his mind. So welcome back, Cody Rhodes. Shout out to WWE for the great job they've done in documenting His return in documenting those behind the scenes moments, which are already available on YouTube, the interview that he did with Variety, which talks about his move and the fact that he says there's not going to be a shoot interview about why he left AEW. He chose not to talk about it and he left it there. That speaks volumes, family. It speaks volumes. So shout out to Cody Rhodes for that. Let's continue on because how do you follow that? You follow that with the Hall of Fame inductees. And to watch the love that The Undertaker received was just incredible. Again, I say it's safe to say that The Undertaker is the most beloved WWE superstar in history. There's no argument there. We get now to the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey. I think a lot of people thought that Ronda Rousey was a lock for this If you go on the Wrestling While Black podcast, I did correctly predict that Charlotte Flair would win this because you're not going to beat Charlotte Flair in a one-on-one match at WrestleMania. It just hasn't happened yet. The only L she's taken was WrestleMania 35, and in that, she didn't get pinned. So it was a question of really the best of WWE versus the best of MMA. I'm going to say something. So, Ronda Rousey made her debut at WrestleMania 34, and it was pretty impressive, I admit. But with that, she's not representative of a women's champion in WWE, and I'll tell you why. First of all, her wrestling style is still very much a fighting style, so it's not smooth, it's not any of that type of stuff. I don't want to hear her talk because she doesn't cut a good promo. She doesn't have the things that makes you a great wrestler other than the name Ronda Rousey, which was already built somewhere else. There's an interesting thing I've noticed here, which I'll talk about at some other point. But Ronda Rousey losing to Charlotte Flair makes all the sense in the world. We didn't want Charlotte Flair to lose this match, and I'm glad that she didn't. Now, the rumor that's floating out there is apparently, well, first as we're talking about rumors, what popped off on Twitter Saturday night was that Ronda Rousey had left the building for WrestleMania. That was not true. Apparently the real story is Ronda Rousey left the Hall of Fame early after finding out that she was scheduled to lose against Charlotte Flair. If this is indeed true, it is all the more reason why Ronda Rousey should not have won that particular match. The reality of it is, no matter where you come from, you're not going to go undefeated in the world of WWE. That's just not realistic. It's not going to happen. And if we're talking about who's the better wrestler, it's Charlotte Flair. Now, who's the better fighter? Probably Ronda Rousey. But who's the better wrestler? Again, I say Charlotte Flair. So I'm very happy that this happened. Now, contrary to what Ric Flair said, this was not a great match. It was not. And that's because Ronda Rousey's style is probably best served in doses. And that's why the tag match that she worked in to debut at WrestleMania worked so well. I think that's also why the triple threat at WrestleMania 35 worked relatively well. But to see her in a space one-on-one against Charlotte Flair, who is at a level of greatness that few achieve, yeah, not good. And so Charlotte, is great. She retained her championship, and I hope that that closes the door on Ronda, but we'll see. This leaves us to the no-holds-barred match between Stone Cold Steve Austin and Kevin Owens. A couple of things. First and foremost, Stone Cold Steve Austin, obviously back at WrestleMania, is a massive win, however you look at it. And one of the things that I was pretty certain of was that they weren't going to just utilize Stone Cold on the Saturday night. And they proved me correct, thankfully. Didn't exactly happen the way I thought it would, but it happened nonetheless. Stone Cold in an organized match against Kevin Owens. No Holds Barred was probably the best space for him. I think we forgot a lot about Stone Cold. One of the things we forgot about is this. In the days of him being stunning Steve Austin, when his knees were rocking well, he could do all kinds of things in the world of wrestling. You forget that Stone Cold could come off the top rope. He could throw drop kicks. He could do all of these types of things that made him a well-rounded wrestler. When the knees started going out, he moved to a brawling style in WWE, particularly when he took on the name Stone Cold. As the ringmaster, he still did some other things, but when those knees didn't work, he just started putting pedal to metal. He talked real well. He could beat you up, and that worked. That was the same style we got. The only difference is he's a step slower because it's been 20 years. Uh, The stunner doesn't quite hit the way that it used to because it's been 20 years. And so part of me struggled with this one, to be honest, guys. And I struggled because history had painted a different picture of Stone Cold in my mind. And so it didn't remind me of all of those things. This match reminded me he's a step slower. He shouldn't be in there hanging with Kevin Owens, but Kevin Owens got the main event of WrestleMania Saturday with Stone Cold Steve Austin, and nobody can take it away, and it was a feel-good moment. Let's also note that Stone Cold literally drank the entire match, so I don't know what that means, but it made for a great moment, made for a great night. That's a look at WrestleMania Saturday. So I want to get your thoughts on WrestleMania Saturday. Hit us up on the socials at The Faction Show. Let us know what you thought, because it was a big show for sure, but it was only the first half, because next up, we're going to talk about WrestleMania Sunday. Would it follow WrestleMania Saturday well? Would it not? And did indeed Roman Reigns versus Brock Lesnar live up to the hype of being the biggest WrestleMania match of all time? That's going to come in part three of our WrestleMania recap, so make sure you tune in for that. Until next time, family representing from a good brother's Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, of the Fourth Horseman, the EP, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. Salute
1: my people. Here we go. Salute my paper.